Yay, you made it to another episode of the Weekend Hustle podcast. Join us weekly with your hosts, Shelby and Bella, as we talk with all types of people over the world to discuss our mind, body, and ride. Here, we bring you all the tools that we need to level up in all the arenas of our lives. To get started with this, I just want to share one of my favorite quotes that has to do with the arenas of our lives and what that really means. So Brene Brown is an amazing author and someone I really aspire and look up to. She says, I want to be in the arena. I want to be brave with my life. And when I make a choice to dare greatly, we sign up to get our asses kicked. We can choose courage or we can choose comfort, but we can't have both, not at the same time. Vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It is our greatest measure of courage. A lot of cheap seats in the arena are filled with people who never venture onto the floor. They just hurl mean-spirited criticism and put down others. The problem is, when we stop caring what people think and stop feeling hurt by cruelty, we lose our ability to connect. But when we're defined by what people think, we lose the courage to be vulnerable. Therefore, we need to be selective about the feedback we let into our lives. For me, if you're not in the arena getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. Now, I just love that quote. I just wanted to share that with you because the word arena has really been brought to surface in my life and I've been using it a lot more in the We Can Hustle platform of just us leveling up all areas of our lives and us going into the arenas and the multiple arenas of our lives. We're intricate humans. We have a lot going on and we have a lot of arenas. Our main one, at least for this platform, is our riding arena. But if we're going to improve in the riding arena, there's a lot of other arenas in our lives that we have to improve that will also help in our actual riding performance. I just wanted to share that little bit uh, backstory with improving and leveling up in all the arenas of our lives. And I think it's so powerful and important. So to get started, I have a guest with us. Max Lamie joined us on the Week in Hustle podcast and he shares his story and some of the things that he's had to overcome and start adjusting and adapting his method to achieving the goals that he has and just his story. So I really hope you enjoy listening to mine and Max's conversations. If you enjoy it, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps just spread, spread the message and spread the word of what We Can Hustle is here to do. So without further ado, let's get started. So it makes sense you doing the uh, the announcing and stuff at the MSU Rodeo? Yeah, um, I went to MSU for school okay. and it was kind of between that or Oklahoma State. So the in-state tuition was a little cheaper. <laughs> Did you like it? Yeah, it was great experience for me. I think more socially and networking, mm-hmm. almost more than the actual bookwork education. Yeah, I feel the same way. I went to college for two years and I don't really think I remember a whole lot from the actual school aspect, but I made such good connections and relationships with people that it like that's really what gears your life, right? Is networking. Yeah, and just that growing up part of life, figuring out what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. And I don't think we ever have really done. <laughs> I definitely <No>. not. <laughs> I don't like, does anyone ever like get to that point where they figure out what they're really doing? <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe, yeah. maybe when you get like, if you make it to being really old. <laughs> when you're a hundred years old, that's when it happens. <laughs> yeah, some of the people I know, you know, they pretty much have figured out what they want to do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
the sooner you learn it, the better, I guess. And you actually can have time to do those things. Right. Yeah. And that's why we're here. We got nothing but time right now. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining. And I personally, uh, this is just my backstory of how I remember you and know you is just going to the MSU rodeos. I'm up in Canada. I don't know if you know that or not, but anyways, I'm in Canada. We go to MSU. We've gone for a couple of years and I remember seeing you there and everyone has a story. Everyone, you know, like you don't really know someone's background, but you meet each other, you cross paths. And I always think it's kind of a beautiful thing to do that. And so that's why I wanted to connect with you. Cause I remember seeing you and I was just really interested in your story. I obviously did my own little bit of research beforehand when I met you this year, I'm curious. So you are a saddle bronc rider. You were a saddle bronc rider. Uh, bareback. Bareback. Okay. So tell us a little bit about like, how'd you get into that? When did you do it? What were your goals? Like, tell us a little bit about your experience. I, I guess to go like really far back, yeah. I raced dirt bikes for, uh, 10 years mm-hmm. and I had a couple bad seasons with that and just had to kind of try something new, something different going. So I kind of went back to a childhood thing with horses and I got into that a little bit and ended up doing more of the equestrian stuff i did a equestrian team for the high school mm. and ended up working for a guy that had been on the msc rodeo team and rode bulls and he's like yeah i know a guy that has practice bowls if you want to go get on one and i was like yeah that sounds like something fun you know on your bucket list kind of thing so i went and did it and that was really fun so i kept doing it and i actually rode bulls for two years before i started getting on horses I thought the bucking horses were kind of scary. They're a lot bigger. More and than bulls? I, yeah. I mean, they're a lot taller. And in my opinion, there's a lot more power. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people would argue with that. But I ended up finding I liked the horses better. Just kind of their temperaments, attitudes. And uh, I found out I didn't spin real well on bulls. So don't have to deal with that as much with a bareback horse just doing little local stuff. And then I got to MSU and had the opportunity to get on their college rodeo team and then travel all over doing that. And that was about how far my rodeo career got. So you're on the college team? Yeah. So our Naira region for college rodeo was pretty much like Michigan straight down to the Gulf. I think the closest other school was uh, in Tennessee. So it was a lot of travel because we'd, you know, leave maybe after class Wednesday afternoon and drive down to Southern Alabama and do, you know, your initial rounds, maybe Thursday night or Friday, and then be at those rodeos through Saturday and then come back and try and make it to class on 8 a.m. Monday. So that was an experience for sure. Yeah. So I really, I want to know what happened. What was this experience that has led you to where you are? So I was just, it was just a local rodeo, uh, maybe 30 minutes from my house. So pretty close. So I just did that because it was a fun little one and all the normal stuff kind of leading up to it uh, was doing kind of my pre-event kind of routine and stuff. And then when they ran my horse up, the horse, I think it was younger or hadn't really done the rodeo stuff too much. And so as I was kind of, you know, trying to usually kind of get the horses calm 
are used to you a little bit before you go and barebacks right at the beginning. So you have a little bit of time usually in the shoot. And this horse, it just seemed kind of green to the experience. And it didn't seem like I was going to get it really used to me. So I decided to just kind of let it do its thing. When it's time, I would just kind of get in there. I'd finally gotten enough experience to where I could get my stuff done pretty fluid, pretty quick, and just get out of the chute because that's not a place you really want to be in a really long time. And then uh, I got in the chute and got pretty much set, and the horse was kind of a little nervous, a little fidgety and stuff. I think I nodded for the gate, and that's when the horse reared up to come out, and either... It pinched me against the back of the chute. And either at that point or when we came out, then I was knocked out and just went straight down. At some point in there, it uh, sublocated my C5, C6 vertebrae. I remember kind of coming to a little bit and hearing guys say, he's out, he's out, he's unconscious. And trying to yell to them like, hey, no, I'm not. I just can't move, which initially wasn't really a huge thing because I've been like knocked out before and sometimes it takes a second, you know, to kind of get your wind back and moving and stuff. But, uh, I remember I was like kind of face down and I could see the horse and then the pickup men were like kind of coming around the arena. And it was a really strange feeling for me because I'm not like super, super brave or anything, (laughs) but I just remember seeing those horses coming and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to get run over, hopefully not by the pickup horses too, but this is going to happen. And I remember just being super strangely calm and like, I was just like, okay, this is happening, whatever. And thankfully, uh, star Houston was one of the pickup men there. I did not get run over by the the horse or the pickup men. They, uh, turned the horse in time, but it was just a really weird, um, surreal, calm experience. And then I kind of started to notice like, hey, I'm not moving anything right now. I'm not moving at all. So then I knew something was kind of wrong. And, you know, then more guys jumped in and they got me on a backboard and everything. And they wanted me to like wave to the crowd, you know, and I kind of tried to do that. And my arm just kind of flopped around all weird. And that was kind of, I think, the first sign of like, yeah, this is really not right. Something's not the way it's supposed to be. Then they uh, took me to Gladwin Hospital, little tiny hospital there, and they got me in their ER, and they were kind of like, uh, yeah, this is way more than we can deal with. So they called in a helicopter and then flew me to a better facility for that. Then I was there, and they didn't have a surgeon right that night. He was coming in the morning. So they put me in this crazy traction halo and waited for the surgery for that. From when I got hurt, I think I rode the adrenaline. And Mm. then once they got me in an ambulance, they got me some, I think, morphine. So I didn't thankfully have really any pain until I got like to the second hospital a little bit. But that's uh, how I ended up being uh, quadriplegic. It's pretty much neck down. Spinal cord injuries are kind of funny. There's some stuff I can feel. There's some stuff I can't. That's how I ended up here. Well, the main, the main event. Wow. Just like that. eh? And so did the horse actually flip over on you kind of, or just threw you back or do you, do you remember? Um, it uh, reared up in the chute and kind of pinched me between it and the chute. Oh, I see. Um, so it slammed me back and I got caught and caught in between the horse and the chute. And then, uh, they did open the gate like at the same time 
and it came out. So I don't really know exactly when mm-hmm. or completely what happened there because I got knocked out. Right. So from the back of the shoe. <clears throat> yeah. And then from there, the rest is kind of history, I guess. So I'm, I'm wondering like, what was it like for you once you started realizing this isn't okay or there's something wrong? How was that process of like almost accepting your fate or accept accepting this reality of like, yeah, this isn't right. Or it's not going to go back to how it was before. I don't think it really sunk in a whole lot for a while. And then it took, I mean, after, you know, seeing some surgeons and stuff for them to be like, yeah, this is totally unsure thing of what's going to happen in the future. But it was pretty surreal. Like at the time, I just remember, um, like growing up, our one pastor being like a piece that passes all understanding and never really knowing what that quite meant. But it was just, I was totally just for some surreal reason felt fine uh, that first night and stuff. I mean, it was when I went in for my first surgery, when I actually started to kind of get like uh, a little scared of like, oh, dang, this is uh, crazy stuff that's going on. But I've always been pretty good at compartmentalizing emotional things and just getting through stuff and then later unpacking. So how was the unpacking? Cause I'm like, how long ago did this actually happen? Uh, it was May, 2014. So we're going on a while now and it's come in like different waves of stuff. Initially, you know, it's hard not being able to do things, but I think the hardest thing was then like other people eventually, you know, friends and I have great friends, a uh, great family. And they've helped me a lot of the way and stuff. And people were coming to the hospital pretty quick. And I think that was kind of the hardest thing was getting used to not being able to do things. And then people like seeing you not be able to do the things you want to do. And just kind of finding times. I tried to find times like kind of by myself. I could just, you know, process things, go back and kind of think, get in my own head and unpack the stuff and just kind of figure out what you're doing. And I think once you're shoved into a situation like that, it's kind of either you do it and deal with it because there's not really any other option. Like you're either going to live and do your stuff or you're not. Mm -hmm. So I thankfully have always kind of just been forward, you know, always forward as much as you can. I mean, everybody has bad days, but kind of uh, just, you guys just got to deal with it and do what you can to make the most out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. It's like definitely a good mindset to have. Did you always have that or were you kind of forced to have that perspective after the accident? I feel like I got lucky enough to kind of be prepared little bits, like in hindsight, looking back, like I always had really good role models and some good coaches and stuff that it seems like it kind of like prepared me for that. I would say I probably had a pretty good attitude towards those things beforehand, but then once you're in that situation, you're, you're in it. So you just do what you got to do. Exactly. You just exactly. You can complain and cry and fight about it, but at the end of the day, that's not going to change what it is. Right. Like you can't change the reality of it. Yeah. It's just kind of a waste of energy. And we need it to do better things. So you just mentioned, you know, like people looking at you in a way that now you can't do stuff. Was there some sort of misunderstanding about what happened that you want more people to know about or something that maybe people didn't handle quite right with your situation? 
Um, I think it was more just me, just, uh, just my own ego kind of getting in the way mm-hmm. and going from, you know, helping a lot of other people do stuff to then I have to ask people to help me with stuff. Right. So I, I think everybody, they all handled it really well, probably better than I did. Yeah, of um, course. <laughs> yeah it's just my own kind of ego and yeah. changing a changing of kind of the way I work my life. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine as well, like, cause I always like to think of goals and I know we always are repivoting, you know, what we think we're going to get, then life throws us a curveball. Some curveballs are a lot bigger than others. What was that like for you with this kind of goal resetting? Cause I'm sure when you're in, in college, you had certain goals. How did your goals change and how were you able to, I guess, like allow that change? I really have found that a lot of it comes down to just like the method of how you're going to accomplish your goal to kind of step back and go, okay, what is it that I like want to accomplish big picture and how can I get there? Because I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. You just might have to take like some really long or different paths to do it. And I think it's just figuring out like, what do I actually want to do? Trying to think of an example. Well, I guess like an example of like the method of how you do it might not necessarily be how you want to do it to be uh, like a childish thing of like, Oh, I want to fly. Yeah. Like you can fly. You're just going to need an airplane. Like Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to fly like Superman, but you can kind of still accomplish the same basic principle. So I think that was a a big thing. And then um, I still chase some of my old goals, not necessarily to accomplish them, Mm -hmm. but as kind of a tool to go towards that with what I can do. And those things are going to help me in different ways uh, anyway. So I like that idea anyways, where you have the goal, but kind of the path to get there is undetermined. So you just kind of take whatever path you have to do to get there and be okay kind of with that path, like with that journey towards that goal. Yeah. And I mean, I think sometimes you also realize like, maybe I have other priorities than what I would have to do to accomplish this goal. And I think that's fine. I mean, like competition stuff, if you want to be really good, you've got to sacrifice a lot. And I think sometimes maybe sometimes you're like, well, you know what? I would rather have more of a relationship with my family and friends. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's going to take a sacrifice of that. And I think that's, that's okay. You just have to figure that out for yourself, mm-hmm. what you want to accomplish out of that. Did that change a lot for you? Kind of having, I guess, that idea of like, this is what's important once like after your accident, what kind of shifted for you that you realized what actually truly was more important in life? I think I just had to realize like different things I could offer because I, it was, it was kind of convenient at that time I was finishing up uh, college. They actually rushed my diploma. So I got that while I was still in ICU. So it was kind of a pivoting point anyway. So I didn't really have to drop too much at the time, but at the time I was getting done with college and I'd been really seriously considering going into the military, pretty serious to the point of my girlfriend at the time. She was like, I don't know if, you know, that's going to work with us, whatever. And I was kind of the point where I'm like, well, this is what I want to do. I'm still going to kind of go do that. Good for you. And then I got hurt. I mean, that is pretty much out the window, but there's still stuff like those kind of things that I could work on. So I just kind of reformatted what to work on as far as, you know, I can't go to the gym maybe and do a bunch of squats or 
you know, run and stuff, but there's still stuff I can work on mm-hmm. my shoulders. And then I started working on some like different language classes mm-hmm. and diving more into some history stuff. So it was like kind of using those goals and then figuring out what I could do for my family that would help them out, which sometimes it's just more moral support stuff. You know, I can call and talk to them. Uh, usually um, minor stuff you know, whatever I can do to help out with what I can. And I guess more of a shift to psychological stuff. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we all kind of have our own battles inside of our own heads. That doesn't require me to be able to, you know, walk around and do that stuff. So I can still work in that realm and kind of work on myself. Exactly. And I mean, look at us right here. Like we're both just sitting, having a chat, being able to share these things and share our lessons and stuff in hopes that someone else is going to get inspired or get insight or education from the things that we've gone through. So I think that is super powerful in itself. And for me, anyways, that's my whole mission is to be able to do that the more in depth, the deeper things, because I was a barrel racer and it's like, there's more to life than just those things. Like that is just kind of the title. And I've kind of had that experience recently that it wasn't forced upon me, but I had that realization where those goals of, you know, wanting to be the best or the world champion, it's good and everything. But again, it's like just the sacrifices and kind of what does it actually mean for you? And I realized that for me recently, those goals might not mean as much as I thought they did when I was younger, you know, being able to do something like this with you and share this means so much more. Like it just means a lot that there's just a lot more to life than just what we thought back in the day. So the one thing I do have written down that I'm curious to know is that, is there, has there been something that's been the most important thing that you have learned in your life and tell us what your life might've been like before learning it. And then what was it like after learning it? I think was probably just learning to be more open to learning different things and listening to different people in different areas. And cause you can learn stuff from everybody. It can be something totally different. I know like the horse industry, we get very into our little group, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, barrel racing or hunter jumper, you know, everybody kind of gets in their own little clicks a little bit and you can learn stuff from everybody. Uh, Everybody has some stuff that you can either learn that they're doing right, or you can kind of look and see like, Ooh, yeah, I don't really like that, but how would I do it different? And I mean, it applies to everything really, you could go talk to somebody that does, I don't know, uh, anything like graffiti, street art or something. And you could probably learn something about horses through that too. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was still doing kind of the dirt bike and horse stuff, I was super surprised at how much better my balance was on a dirt bike after doing some horse stuff after a little while. And I mean, it was like a noticeable difference with just a couple of weeks. I think that's been a big thing. And then I don't know if it's necessarily good, but I've, I would say I'm kind of selfish a little bit in that I kind of use what I can to better myself by surrounding myself with people who are good at what they do and kind of probably being a little bit of a nuisance at times, but just kind of like picking and be like, Hey, how are you doing this? What are you doing here? You know, getting 
leaning on their experience, you know, helping them out where I can, but help people, but also kind of do stuff for yourself too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably the two biggest things is doing things to help yourself grow and just opening up to pretty much any kind of information input you can. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I like that in so many ways, just thinking that, cause I'm just the believer that everything starts with us. So if we're able to, you know, improve us, then we're going to be able to share that better version of us to others. And that's going to kind of snowball where you're really making a little bit of like your own little mark on other people and making your own little impact in a way that you can all because you're working on improving you and either of it, that's like education or like just learning a bit more. And I say that all the time, by the way, about you can learn anything from everybody. And it, like you said, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I've learned tons from people of what I don't want to do or what I don't want to be like. And I think that's so key for anyone listening to this. Like, just know, like you can look at someone and be like, that is what I don't want to be like. And use that as like a control thing where you actually have the control of that to look at a person or look at a situation and say, I don't agree with that or I don't like it or the opposite. We're like, I really appreciate that. I aspire to be more like that. And I think having that awareness is something super important especially the whole click thing. I want to touch on that because it is very clicky sometimes. And, you know, you're with your, the cool kids or whatever you want to be in the cool group with all the girls and stuff. I, I don't know, like you'll find me sitting talking to someone that's irrelevant or like not a big person or a big name or anything like that. Cause I think one of the things that I definitely learned in my life is you can have this title of being a professional, you know, for me, a professional barrel racer or one of the best athletes, whatever, doesn't mean they're a good person. And people always want to hang out with them because of their name, but it's like, doesn't mean that they're actually a nice human. And I kind of appreciate nice humans more than someone that has a title of the best barrel racer. So again, you can learn from everybody and I have no problem. And I think like you should go talk to that person that might not have that name or, you know, they're not as big of a deal, but you can still learn so much and might have a better interaction with those people. Yeah. I was lucky to have really good role models. And once I kind of got things a little more figured out with rodeo, I always felt like, you know, you kind of have a little bit of a duty to kind of pay back Mm -hmm. for all the people that have helped you out. And maybe that go talk to a kid or somebody that's just starting out. Because I know that was a big thing when I started doing rodeo because it's a pretty small-ish community. Mm-hmm. That coming in and starting when you're 18, you don't have like the foundation of the kids that have been doing it since they were doing like little britches or that stuff. So I think you kind of have like a little bit of a duty to go and, and talk to people, maybe even if they're not the mm-hmm. top competitors. For sure. I actually had similar experience because I got into barrel racing later on in life as well. And my mom even got in after me. So she was a middle-aged woman getting into barrel racing. And we both said that we would go as the beginner thinking everyone knew what they were doing except for us. And it was intimidating. And we thought everyone had their shit figured out, but then we realized that it wasn't true at all. But just when you're getting into that world, you think everyone started when they were kids and we're the only ones that are just getting started later in life. So yeah, I think that's really important as well for people to know is just that first it's like never too late to start. If that's something you're interested in doing, or you have that goal, don't think because you didn't start when you're five, that there's no hope because you still have time to do whatever you want. And 
one thing I want to touch back on is just what you said about like learning stuff and learning a language and being able to help in that way. I still think that's super important to you like use the gifts that you have in just a different aspect. You know, maybe it's not what you vision, but you still can give that gift. Yeah. That's with the uh, announcing and stuff. I kind of started that when I was going to school at MSU because we needed somebody to announce that barrel race. And then mm-hmm. it ended up being something that later on I was like, well, I can still talk. <laughs> I can still use my voice. So um, that's how I ended up kind of getting into that a little more was like, well, this is something I can do. And it's somewhat enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Other than uh, some of the crazy, the crazy names. Usually yeah. I feel bad for those people. I'm like, uh, sorry. Probably me being one of them, I'm sure, I think. Yeah, I think I did ask you. Yeah. Like, Hi. You, last name? Yeah. For everyone listening, my last name's, what is it? Uh, Oleschlager? Yeah, that's good. Oleschlager. It's an okay. A, not an O, but it's okay. <laughs> we at least know who you're referring to. That's what's important. So I've heard some pretty bad ones. Yeah, my last name is Lamie, but it's spelled lame with an extra E, so people pronounce it all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, right. LeMay and Lamey and stuff. But I mean, you always know, like, you know, most of the common mispronunciations. You're like, yep, that's me. Yep, exactly. So what are now, now moving forward with your experience, what you've gone through, like you accept it and you unpack these boxes. What now are kind of some of like your actual goals that you have now that you know, like your different path to get there, but what are kind of your destinations that you would like to land to? Going and getting back into doing some classes and stuff at school because my horse management degree is not as applicable in the way I would probably have wanted it to be before. Um, So I'm going to pursue some more engineering stuff. And then I know right now uh, we switched to like a a cargo van that we're kind of trying to get set up a little bit better for traveling and stuff for me because Rodeos and barrel races aren't always at, you know, a nice handicap accessible facility. But if I can get my van set up, then I can just have my own stuff there and ready to go. So I'd say that's probably the two bigger goals right now is kind of okay. getting back, doing school and get some engineering in mm-hmm. and getting uh, to a point like with a better uh, financial stability type thing. I guess that's more just political stuff, but anyway, uh, yeah. So just school kind of getting back into that, which I'm not excited about. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't really like, you know, classes and stuff, but if that's the way to get there, then that's what I'll do. Open mind, right? Keep that mind open. That'd be something I guess probably is more to look forward to is just kind of in those settings of you just get people from all different walks of life and you're almost always going to learn something Mm -hmm. from those people. Yeah. And it's always something to look forward to. I think doing like an episode or something, it's so fun for me because I know I'm going to, yeah, like hear your story, hear your walk of life. And it's so fascinating to kind of put myself in those shoes for a few minutes. So thank you for doing that for me and, you know, sharing your story and all that. It's really important for people. I think as far as everybody, like our empathy level needs to go up. And I think sharing these stories and hearing other people's experiences will help us just be able to put ourselves in those positions and put ourselves in those other shoes. So as long as we're able to keep sharing our stories and connect more and more deeply, I think we'll be winning. I don't want to leave you too much longer though. Like I really appreciate you giving the time to share some of this, but I do have one final thing I want to know. 
one final piece of advice that you'd give people, like if there's something that you just want everyone to know that you want to leave us all thinking about after this call, what would it be? Uh, probably like you said, with the empathy towards each other, just to kind of be a little easier on each other and on yourself. I think we could use a little bit more of that. You know, we all get kind of defensive and stuff. And I think we all could just kind of take a breath and think about things from other people's perspectives and realize that we probably all would get along most of the time Mm -hmm. that, uh, everybody has their own things that they deal with. It doesn't matter if you're rich and famous or if you're, you know, just getting by, like everybody has their issues and everybody has to deal with them in their own ways. So I think just cutting everybody and themselves a little slack once in a while is a really useful thing. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. And my favorite phrase that I heard before that just kind of touches on what you said is that most people are really hard to hate up close. So meaning like if you actually got to know someone, they're a lot harder to hate the more you know them. So if you just give yourselves both the time and space to actually understand and empathize with them and hear their what they're going through. So then you actually can understand why they might, you know, they might act a certain way. But if you understand that, I think a lot of people are a lot hater to hate up close. So, yeah, I would agree with that hundred percent. Awesome. Thank you so much, Max, for joining us. I really enjoyed this conversation and I think everyone listening will definitely take something away from this and yeah, it was great. Yeah. Thanks for having me on and yeah, hopefully somebody can get something out of it. Exactly. That's the goal, right? One person, even if one person says that this helped them, we're winning. (laughs) Yeah. And we are totally here to help you. And if we can make that little bit of a difference, then like I said, we're winning. Also, I just want to announce that this episode and future episodes are going to be brought to you by Weekend Hustle's new membership platform and community. So we have an off social media membership site that is created just for you and for all of us to get together to collaborate, connect, educate ourselves and really just start showing up in the ways that we know we can and we want to, to improve our lives. And like I said, improve all the arenas in our lives. And it all starts with ourselves. So this is a membership that I invite you to join. The link is going to be in the description below, but it is for all of us that want to improve our mind, body, and ride. And we want to get to that next level that we know in our hearts and our souls. And we just believe that we're capable of, and it's up to us to start showing up and to start doing the work to actually accomplish it. And if you want to join the Weekend Hustle community, um, it's a paid membership type program. So every week, every month, there's going to be new content, new ways for you to connect with people, having special guests, leading experts, professionals in all areas that we can learn from. And it's my favorite part is to be able to learn from all different people and all different walks of life and That's kind of what We Can Hustle really stands for is being able to take these lessons and learn for our own use. And, you know, it all starts with us and we can share our experiences, learn from others and use it and apply in our way and how it works for us. We're going to feel fulfilled and we're going to reach those goals and we're going to reach them for the right reasons. And I just find it so beautifully awesome and powerful. And I would really, really would look forward to seeing you in there where we can uh, grow a lot. So the first event that we have in the community is called Clarity to Purpose. So it's going to be a goal setting type workshop where we're going to really go 
and dive deep into our goals, what they mean, how we can achieve them, what they feel like, and just how we can start becoming accountable to showing up every day in a way that we're going to be creating that life that we really want for ourselves. It's going to be a beautiful journey and it already is. So let's take it to the next level. The link is going to be below where you can learn more. Ask me any questions you have about it. If you're hesitant, let's get on a call. We can talk about it and uh, just know that I'm always here for you. So don't be afraid to reach out and to ask. There's no such thing as a dumb question or not being ready. Like this is going to be a place for everybody. It doesn't matter where you are. And there's this phrase and thought that I've seen recently that I want to share where it just says that you don't wait to get fit to start going to the gym or you don't wait to get lots of money until you hire a business coach or you don't wait until this to get that so sometimes you just really have to you just have to start and you know you can't wait to be a better rider to want to learn how to become a better rider or you can't wait to get to that place until you do it so you really just have to start when you're not ready or when you don't feel ready and this is my invitation to you to just start even if you don't feel ready just start just show up just start doing the things and I guarantee you eventually you will feel that way so this is Shelby your cheerleader and again if you want to talk just let me know but bye for now